Hello and welcome to The Purple Pod with me, Madeline. And me, Bronte. The Purple Pod dives into the ever-changing world of theatre headfirst, speaking with industry professionals and up-and-coming writers, directors and performers. We're looking to have a little bit of a chat and transform your ideas about what a podcast about theatre can be. Our guest today is actor Louis Gardencio. A talented triple threat performer, Louis is a professional musical theatre actor based in London. At the age of 18, Louis earned a place on the Musical Theatre Foundation course at the prestigious drama school Lane Theatre Arts. The following year, Louis was accepted again onto Lane's diploma in musical theatre. However, in 2014, when Louis was in his second year of training, he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, a rare form of cancer that develops in the lymphatic system. Following a gruelling and difficult treatment process, Louis graduated in 2017 and is now five years cancer-free. Since his diagnosis, Louis has worked closely with Click Sargent, a charity that provides support for young people living with cancer, as well as pursuing a successful career in the performing arts industry, starring in roles across both the television and theatre worlds. I am so honoured and thrilled to welcome an incredible performer and someone I'm lucky enough to call my dear, dear friend to the Purple Pod today, Louis Gardencio. That's Woo-hoo! the audience. That's the audience. The audience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got there in the end with that. <laughs> so welcome, Louis. How are you? Hello. I'm well, all things considered. Yeah, good. A lot more positive I know. this week. <laughs> and one question that we ask every guest on our podcast is what has been getting you through lockdown at the moment Mm. so obviously netflix that's probably the main main thing but i've been fortunate the fact that i've got a dog (gasps) we got a dog sort of september i want to say last year but this year feels so much of a mess yeah. i can't actually yeah. put a pin on any when any time happened yeah, like, time, really time is just mush anymore. now time yeah, it's really just a concept is. isn't it <laughs> um but that meant that getting the daily exercise getting out of the house it was an excuse and also it was just yeah just really nice being able to get out because i know a lot of people lived in flats and stuff <laughs> like and who like no pets and they're just locked away in like mm-hmm. a one-bed flat so I've been very fortunate. I moved back with my parents, so I've been very lucky. Mm. So the weather's so nice at the moment too, oh, which make will make yeah. a massive difference. Yeah, We're waking up in the sun shining. Yeah, it it's an instant boost, isn't it? Really, it? Is. I also kind of feel because I've I moved back with my parents and I've got a dog, and there's something about taking your dog out and then like talking to other people who have dogs, and I don't know yeah. why it's a semi magical experience, <laughs> and you're like people exist. <laughs> yeah i mean i don't have a dog so yeah. i've not experienced that so um oh no yeah like, um i've just been alone uh but <laughs> i would love a little dog and your dog louis is my favorite um i nearly said like brand of dog breed of dog <laughs> a little schnauzer is it a schnauzer <laughs> give me two seconds i'm thinking i might have to use my 4g on my phone okay don't <laughs> Yeah, miniature is it a little schnauzer. miniature schnauzer. I love. It. Yeah, it's yeah, all going a little bit tits up. This is. <laughs> I messed up the in- intro like four times. I was just nervous. I was quivering. <laughs> Honestly, the the Wi-Fi router has never been as stretched as in lock- since lockdown. Yeah, because mm-hmm. everyone's it just in. Can't once. cope. Yeah, it just cannot cope. 
I'm switching over now, so I might lose connection. Please stand by. Break it down. Break it down. Right, is that okay? I'm on. Yeah, yeah, you look better now. Please, can we keep all that in? Because I just. I love the Jesse J, the Jesse J soundscape. Okay, <laughs> so of course, Louis, you are so much more and have done so much since your cancer diagnosis. But we have invited you on today to talk about this um, experience you had that is quite a unusual experience. So yeah, could you start by giving us? Um, a brief timeline sort of of events and how everything played out for you really yeah so as you said i started the foundation course at lane in i think 2014 i actually can't remember that but i think it is 2014 and went with through alerts like 28 weeks training then i started my first year at lane that, again that was okay but like things are just starting to get a little bit harder than normal like just little things like press-ups without hurting places like joints and I was like this is really weird and then started getting ill just like fluey sort of symptoms and then doctors thought it was like uh glandular fever had tests for like glandular fever and it just never nothing really came back like useful and it was all like negative like I didn't have that didn't have that and then um yeah just basically just like I guess it was like six months worth of tests so I was in my second year and it was I remember because it's come up to my 21st birthday and I remember I was ill on the week of my 21st birthday and it was just like just like fluey and I was like well I'm still gonna go out because it's my 21st <laughs> that was do you know what I mean um, but looking back on photos I was so gaunt and like emancipated um but I don't know, was that the right word? I don't know. <laughs> it sounded like it was the right word. But like, so skinny. And tests, tests. And then I went home because I was really ill. Because it was half term, I think. Yeah, I went home, it was half term. And I just got worse. Just like, m- more like bed bound. And so I rang in the college and I was like, I am actually really ill. <laughs> so I might need a few more weeks up like, recovering. And then got more tests, etc. It's really tricky because it all it was quite a while ago but so much happened but like also nothing happened because it took so long for them to find out what it was um but I was going in and getting blood tests like twice a week my arms my poor little veins were ruined <laughs> and that was before the chemo <laughs> and finally I remember it was just before Christmas which is obviously the best news you can get at Christmas <laughs> Merry Christmas, you got cancer. No. <laughs> that was basically what it was like. Oh my but they God. were so honest and so, like, equipped to deal with it at first. So that like, look, not going to beat around the bush. I had, like, CAT scans, had, like, PT scans, um, all sorts of things. And they're like, look, we had an inkling that it was going to be this type of cancer, but we didn't want to jump to that just because that's obviously really scary if it's not. We don't want to, like, give you false information. And then finally, they're like, look, I'm not going to beat around the bush. You have got cancer. It's a type of blood cancer, but it is completely curable, not just treatable. Like, it's curable. We can cure it. So from the get-go, they were, like, really positive. 
and they're like you it's like you'll get through it we've got a lot of research on this it's quite a common cancer for younger people like generally when young people get cancer that's sort of what it would be um and i just remember getting like filling out certain forms and they we had like biopsies so they had i say that i had <laughs> um a biopsy in one of my neck lymph nodes basically biopsy like they put like a big needle in trigger warning <laughs> they put like a big needle in and then like I'd <laughs> this sounds really weird like a you know like a turkey baster <laughs> yeah that's what I it's been a little bit like that so they put the needle in and then it sucks out part of the cell part of the biopsy right. and then right. they test it but the first time they did it right I, I remember having to like book in get this all done and I had to go into like scrubs and went into like an operating room and it's like you can't eat between this time and this time and all of this and there was a woman with like everything in and all like the spotlights literally like uh, proper like over dramatic and she took three biopsies right and then didn't hear anything for like two weeks and then it turned out that one biopsy showed one type of lymphoma so you've got Hodgkin's lymphoma and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma so it basically is just different way the cells are mutated Right. One biopsy showed all the symptoms and all the chemical arrangement for Hodgkin's. One biopsy was non-Hodgkin's and then the other one was like a bit of both. So like, uh, not too sure what you've got actually. So, but they, they didn't tell me that. So while they were still working it out, I was just like sat at home for another two weeks like, Hmm, I wonder <laughs> what, what's going on. Literally just twiddling my thumbs. Oh, my God. And then got called in and they're like, look, we think it's non-Hodgkin's. And the treatment for that is quite severe. And that sort of, you have like radiotherapy as well as chemotherapy. So I filled out this big form. They're like, we're going to start you on, on the treatment tomorrow. But we need to do a, a bone marrow biopsy as well, basically to see what stage it is. So with lymphoma... And I think with blood cancers, stage the stages of treatment, the stages of cancer, like stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four, it's different to what it is if it's like a breast cancer. So the stages for bl- blood cancer, it's like where it's spread to in the body. So it still is better, like still like stage three is still worse than stage one, but stage three for Hodgkin's lymphoma isn't necessarily as bad as stage three breast cancer. So. I was stage three because they didn't find it in my bone marrow. If they'd found it in my bone marrow, it would be stage four. But basically the bone marrow biopsy, that was sore. And basically that, again, the needle, but that was into my hip to get some from my little bone in my hip. Basically, you know when you sit in second? Yeah. And then you push your hips down. It was like that. But but like in one specific spot, it was sore. I can remember, I can picture that pain now. Um, they'd sorted all of that out and they were like cool not in the bone marrow stage three yeah. and then signed all the papers and then that night I got a phone call and they're like hey so we thought it was um, Hodgkin's non-Hodgkin's oh god I can't remember now but we thought it was one type and we just had we had a we had 12 doctors sitting on desk tonight until nine o'clock just discussing you wow and we the research we um, realised that it's actually not that one, it's the other one. 
Um, so you're going to have to come and sign in some different papers because you're going to have completely different treatment. And this was literally the day before I was going to go in to do it. Um, I mean, it was nice being talked about by 12 people around <laughs> the table, obvs, but it was good that happened. But they had little to no information on the specific combination of cancer that I had. So I because I had a lot of Hodgkin's with like a little bit of non-Hodgkin's, that combination was really rare. So even though Hodgkin's isn't that rare, the combination I had was really rare and they didn't have any documents about it in the UK or America because they contacted America, like their doctors over there, to see if they had any information on it. Um, they couldn't find any of it and that's why they were up to that late on the evening before because they ended up getting in contact with people from Canada and I think Germany basically looks like guys <laughs> got a case here <laughs> got a Karen I got a cat with no pulse <laughs> but it was like we need help because we don't have any documents on this specific case like have you got anything on it and it just turned out these countries did so that was basically went in the next day new treatment new contract signed and like you get these side effects and yeah that's what happened with the first bit of chemo i guess and that was painful <laughs> what I, you know you know when you hear something you just can't quite believe that someone's <laughs> gone through all of that and you're like wow yeah. <laughs> I, how how was that for you like i feel like it was such a long process that starts in your foundation and then it gets discovered in your second year what was kind of the feelings yeah. of, of that like emotionally for you it was just weird because it's when you're doing a full-time musical theatre course like vocational course you're in at half eight until minimum half four you're you're like probably the healthiest you'll ever be physically so then to find out that oh the flu that you had has actually developed into more and you just kept going and you just couldn't fight it. It was just weird, like, being like, oh, OK. But I remember getting all the tests and getting the blood tests and they tested for, every, like, tested for, like, um, like HIV, tested for, like, tuberculosis, like, every, everything before cancer. Got the scans. <clears throat> and I remember, because um, my mum was... My, both my parents work, or they were working at the time, so they had to both like try and manage getting time off, literally just to drive me to hospital, just to get like tests. And I remember my mum was like, "Right, I need to drive you, drop you, and I need to go on to because she she was a teacher, so I had to like carry on working." And I remember sitting in the hospital, and I'd had the tests done, and they were like, "So none of this has come back, like positive, like these these tests." So I remember texting my mum, and she was like, "Oh, that's good." And then I remember I remember texting me like. I don't know if it is, though, because if it's not any of this, mm. it's probably something worse. And then she, by the time she came and picked me up, I remember we went into a little room and that's when the guy was like, we think it's cancer, basically. God. That is awful. Um, it was weird because they were so reassuring. I I didn't... It, I don't think it really hit me. Mm-mm. I still don't think it has hit me, mm-hmm, which, mm-hmm. which is weird to say, because you just get on with it. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like, well, I need to carry on my training yeah so okay get it done with like whatever it is inject it into my veins <laughs> do it do you know what I mean yeah well I was gonna ask so, actually did the initial diagnosis affect your sort of your aspirations or did it did it make you think oh my god will I ever be able to 
do what yeah. I love for a career initially. Yeah. So it's weird, like it obviously when you hear about cancer, it's obviously always ne- that negative. Like, mm. mm-hmm. There's really literally nothing positive about it, but your mind probably always go to like the worst case scenario yeah. mm-hmm. i just never got there i never went there i never my brain just never took me to that mm-hmm. so i don't i don't know why it just never crossed my mind that it would be a negative as mm-hmm. negative as it could be so i was like oh that's really annoying but then <laughs> i remember the first thing when i found out i was like oh, okay well at least i can like email a college about oh it's this i probably won't yeah. do that for a while yeah <laughs> like, that, that was like my first thing yeah like chill like i'll be back do you know what i mean like, yeah, yeah. It, didn't pro- it didn't properly hit me the fact that it like, like this this could literally mm. kill you yeah like, it, it just didn't cross my mind yeah um oh, wow. but like college were really supportive that's cool. oh that's great yeah and one of my teachers at college actually she's the vice principal miss wilson sarah wilson she said that she had an inkling and I had a hunch that it was a type of blood cancer because everything... I kept I kept updating my... I don't know what she's called, like a student mm. liaison woman. Like, she did, like, the register and she basically looked like... Any, any issue you had, you'd email in this specific woman. That was Carol Venn. And I kept updating her, kept updating her. And then when I told her, she was like... We spoke to Miss Wilson and she... She did actually think that you had that, but obviously didn't want to jump the gun, mm-hmm. basically because her son had the same wow. thing. Right. So she kind of like connected with that in terms of like she had a feeling because all this everything I was saying, she was like, "Well, this sounds very similar to this what happened with mm-hmm. my son." But obviously, I didn't want to say like when you have a flu symptoms, I don't want to like. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, like you wouldn't do that. And so, no. <laughs> so she's like holding off. And she's like, okay, well, he went through it. He's fine. Did all the treatment and everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it was just thanks to the doctors just being like, it's going to be fine. That's if you brilliant. do what we tell you to do. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, yeah. so um, another question going off that is what specifically was the treatment process like? So you weren't in training at that point. You'd taken time off. Um, so what was the chemo treatment like yeah. i can imagine it is the most grueling so experience ever the on that first day where because i basically had the bone marrow biopsy the morning of chemo because that was just to double check that the strength of the right. chemo so i had that and i was there at the macmillan center and i think it was a Thursday. yeah it was a thursday like new oh no friday it was a friday because new patients go in and get weighed and like a blood test on the thursday because that basically gives you your measures for the amount of chemo that you need on the Friday. And I had a type of chemo that's called ABVD. Yeah, and they basically all stand for a different chemical. Yeah. But because I had part of non-Hodgkin's, I had on alternate weeks. So chemo was once every two weeks. And basically what's, what's different with my case is that because I had part of Hodgkin's and part of non-Hodgkin's, so say you'd have, like, week one, A, that was treatment for the non-Hodgkin's. So that was R, A, B, B, D. So that was, like, another chemical mm. with the other four. Two weeks later, so that would be the B section, that was just for Hodgkin's. So that was just A, B, B, D, mm. if that makes sense. So I had five chemicals for chemo, like... Num- like A, so about week one, session A, 
five chemicals and then it'd be two weeks later that'd be session b and that'd be like that'd be like treatment one if mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah and it was every two weeks and it was 12 lots of treatment so it was 12a so like so it's 24 lots of treatment basically so every two weeks for 24 weeks yeah um and so to start off with they have to put it in really slowly because you could get an allergic right. reaction to it yeah so they've got to put it in so slowly and put it on a drip literally i was there for like four hours five hours just literally sitting there and one of the things they give you they give you like pure antihistamine because that helps with the reaction that you could get right but because it's like the pu- like it's so pure it just knackers you out like that was the thing that knacked proper knacker me and i like fell asleep like in- literally instantly mm. woke up and it was just like i was just like dehydrated like i don't know it was just really like the, the very first day that it was tough because it was just like oh this is like this is na- mm. naff mm. <laughs> um i just felt just literally like really headachey and like dehydrated and i remember going home and i was like just got a really bad headache and then just out of no i just couldn't eat anything and then out of no i just like threw up like non-stop oh, for like God. for like an hour went to a and e and then they put me on like iv basically just to hydrate me so then from then i was like i literally just need to basically just drink a lot more water and have like mineral minerals and vitamins before i go into my treatment next time and then it should be okay. Yeah. And then basically that's what I did. But then I don't know how long we're going on with this specific point. Please. Yeah. So, so obviously it's like, so it was 1A, had that. That was when I ended up in a that night just because it was literally just to get me hydrated. But then 1B, basically with chemo, when, when people get cancer and stuff and get their chemo, when people are oh it's like the chemo that makes you more ill because it kills it ev- like it tries to kill every cell in your mm-hmm. body basically mm-hmm. all like all the bad cells but it kills the good cells as well which is why people like lose their hair and um look more ill when they're on treatment than they do before it because it's it's killing the good cells in your body as well it's zapping everything and after chemo that's like say you chemo on friday it was a two-week wait before the next session kills your body uh and then you're basically ruins your immune system but i was given the time sort of like okay in the second week that's when your immune system is going to be like at its lowest like your white blood cells will be essentially like non-existent so if you get any like you basically have to be really careful and i was told specific things i wasn't allowed to eat and things i wasn't allowed to do specifically in that second week so like things like cheese yogurt I wasn't allowed to eat anything from like a kiosk if it had been like sitting right. out. Right. Or so if you go to like Cafe Nero and there's like, you know, they've got like cakes in the front. Yeah. Wasn't allowed to have any of that oh. just because they were like, it could have picked up any form of bacteria. And literally just by eating a cake that's been picked up from bacteria from people walking around, when your immune system is really bad, like that could basically take its toll. But I was like, oh, I like cheese, though. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I was just a little bit silly. And it got to the second week. And I remember they were like, if your temperature goes to this, I can't remember. No, I can't remember specifically. But I think average temperature, if you have like a temperature, I think it's 27.5. Right. Does that ring a bell? 
Should we have a cheeky Google? I'm not sure. Yeah. Have yeah. A Google. Give a Google. So, so yeah. average temperature for like a... Yeah. 27.5. Just like a normal healthy person, I think. When like you've got a high temperature, it would be higher than 27.5. So yeah, the, the normal body temperature is 35 degrees. Okay, so you got it wrong. <laughs> I made that up. <laughs> I'm very cold blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm as cold as nice. Um, but it's okay, 35. But like, obviously, if your temperature goes up by like 35 to like 35 point, if it's 35.5, if it was to go to 35.6, like that's actually like a big mm. jump like for your body temperature. And they were like, if your temperature goes over 30, it's whatever it should have been, it like you need to go to any basically. You need to phone this number, we'll talk you through stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. And I remember I was sat at home watching hair <laughs> on Netflix, the musical. <laughs> Let the sun shine. And it's I was like, favorite. this is actually well long, this film. <laughs> it was like three hours. Yeah. And I was like quite cold, so I put myself under like a duvet. And then I suddenly just got really hot. Right. And I was like, oh, a bit weird. And I was like sweating and like cold. And I was like, hmm. And I was like, let me just check my, check my temperature. And I remember it was like, hi. Oh. And I was like, it'll be fine. It's because I was literally just sat on a blanket like that. <laughs> it was fine. No. And I was like, I'm going to have dinner now. <laughs> and I remember it was like, turkey dinosaurs, baked beans, potato smileys. <laughs> I was like, this is the one. <laughs> and I remember getting... The temp get checking my temperature and it was like okay you need like you should go to A and E we phoned a number and like go to A and E, but the food was still in the oven, <laughs> and my stupid little self was like right well hospital food is awful, so let me just wait <laughs> till the food is done, I can eat the food and then we'll go, so I did that. <laughs> Bear in mind it was like the, literally the most stupid thing I've ever done. Turns up to any, and the good thing at the time, I was just like, I just feel really hot. Like I just got like a temperature, like a bit woozy. Walked in, literally just walking around, still fine, no pain anywhere, or anything. I was walking around. I was like, hi. Oh, I, I was like, I went to the desk. I was like, we rang the number. I'm on chemo. My name's Louis. These my like, details. And they said to come to any, and the woman was like, looking at the, the info <laughs> on her desk, and was like, right. <laughs> and she obviously knew something that I didn't. And then they got like a doctor in, like you know, you know when something's serious because the doctor's like not in scrubs, they're just mm. in a suit. Do you know what I mean? Like, right, yeah, like, the yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so he was like, "Come with us." And then we walked, like they paroled me around through like straight past A and E. Like I didn't have to wait at all. They put me into like a little room, and a guy was like checking my blood and all this, like my ECG and stuff, like my heartbeat, everything. And they put me on a drip like straight away, and I was like, I literally don't even feel that bad, not that bad. <laughs> and they're like, you had like on-site, uh, 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 yeah, early on-site signs of sepsis because your temperature got basically. He was like, your your organs are literally shutting down right now. Oh, and my I, God. I didn't feel any. I just felt a bit, <laughs> a bit tired. <laughs> I think I've got quite a good pain threshold though. What? Because <laughs> like being a dancer, you get pains and aches all the time. So I was like, I feel fine. Yeah. <laughs> And he was like, yeah, your body's literally shutting down, so we need to get oh. you into intensive care, like, right now. And, and he came, I remember, this obviously isn't going to come out on the, like, you won't see it on the podcast, but he, he was like, can you give me, give me your hand? I put my hand out, and he went, turn it over. And he just smacked it. Oh. I was like, what are you doing? He was like, he was like you are stupid. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? You've got sepsis like, and you've got slapped. Yeah. And he was just like, he was 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 like you're stupid. 
It's like you need to follow the rules. Like if you're, so he was like, you need. He was like, you are very naughty. <laughs> and I was like, okay. He was like, because if you'd have come in an hour later, you'd be dead. And I was oh, like, oh okay. my god, the turkey <laughs> so dinosaurs were worth yeah, it. Yeah, I was like, it would definitely, it was worth it. Though. I think about it. it was like, I was like, that could have been my last supper. I was like, I don't mind. <laughs> like, <laughs> but but so, so yeah, so I basically ended up in intensive care and I was in t- intensive care in my own room. In my own little corner. And, and it was for seven days <laughs> because they're, they're like, no, it's like, no, it's no one's allowed in, no one's allowed out. Like one of them because I couldn't pick up any bacteria from anyone else because my immune system was oh so bad. God. And my, I literally had no blood, white blood cells to fight off anything. So anyone who came in had to get in full scrubs, like hazmat suits, literally like what you're seeing with COVID wow. and stuff now. Wow. It was like that. I was up. I'm in my own room. I'm <laughs> <laughs> the TV in there. No. Yeah. <laughs> but I was in, I remember intensive care for like one night, for like two days. And it was just really weird because like everything there was like where people go when they have like a really bad car crash. Like that's like mm. what I think of intensive care. Yeah. And he was like, you gave us a really big scare last night. So... Good job we got you when we did. And I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> and then my mum went out and spoke to him. And she was like, last night you said, oh, you had a really big scare. Like how, like, how much of a scare was it? And he was like, if I'd have flipped a coin, whatever the result landed on would have been whatever happened. Wow. Oh. So, he, so he was like, literally 50-50% that I was oh, either going to be or not. <laughs> and even to this day, I'm like, was that meal worth it? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> So in hindsight, I I can jump around and like laugh about it, but yeah. I've never literally never yeah. felt so bad. <laughs> because like, my mum mum's like mum was at work. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I'm still at here. the time a bit different. Okay, so how long did the recovery take, and at what stage do you think you were like ready to get back to Lane, and how was it? So, the treatment was over Isn't nine it? months, I think. Uh, maybe six months, six months worth of chemotherapy. Um, but I, basically, because I had the lymph nodes, like, in my neck, in my chest, in my hips, I remember, like, struggling to walk at times, like, before treatment, which was just really weird. And it just felt like things needed to click all the time. It was just, like, really weird. And so the treatment started in January 2015. Yeah, I think <laughs> I actually time is a concept to me now like <laughs> I can't yeah so I yeah started treatment in January because and yeah finished so obviously that was like the right off for that year and finished treatment just before summer but I had to like like learn to walk again like a little bit and obviously it's all like mu- any sort of muscle that I built up from foundation in the first year, had to like rebuild that again. And I went back to college in September and I was like, look, I just want to just mm-hmm. kind of go for it, just see what happens. Um, and weirdly, I, ju- I just got on with it. And I was like, please, like, I don't want any like special mm-hmm. treatment. Like, mm-hmm. obviously it's going to be a little bit taboo. Like, I'm back in the, the college, but I've restarted the year. So all my year mates that where I started with the year above so I wasn't in any classes with them gen- like generally with a completely new group of people and I didn't really know them that well because they in their first year was when I was ill 
up. So I, I didn't really right. meet them. So it was, it was a bit weird. And music, like, theatre college is, like, competitive as it is, just the musical industry as a whole. So, like, joining this new year, I was a little bit like, oh, I don't want to be, like, pandered to or be made feel sorry for. Like, I was like, I've done the treatment. I've done it. Like, I'm back. Like, just let me go with it. And weirdly, I just... It just literally came back. It felt like it came back within the first week. Like, my fitness. It, just, it was really weird because, like I said, I was, like, trying to walk, like, during treatment. And obviously, like, ruins your body. And, like stamina and stuff like that but I genuinely remember being in one of the studios in the first week and a teacher came up to me and she's like do you want me like I just want to ask like do you want me to like alter anything for you like like I just don't really know I don't want to like step over the line because she, she was quite a tough teacher um now it's probably like a bit traumatic for people probably like I didn't care but one of those teachers yeah. you probably like she probably shouldn't have said that those sorts of things but she was really yeah. tough and I liked her got on her really well and she was like, just just let me know, like, if you can't do anything, just, just don't do it. Like, I don't, you don't need to ask me anything, like, I don't want to make a thing of it. Just, if it's something you can't do, just give it a pause But I was like, okay, cool. But I just got on with it, because I was like, I don't want to see, I don't mm. want to seem weak. Yeah. Because, obviously, like, I had an excuse, but I didn't want to have an excuse. Like, it's, like in musical theatre, you don't want to have excuses. Like, make solutions, not excuses, do you know what I mean? So that's what yeah, we've yeah, always yeah. taught. Just generally, obviously, it probably didn't, it didn't, it didn't matter for like my situation. Like I, that was a fair enough excuse. But I just like, look, I'm already behind from a year of training. I need to keep up, basically. So I just threw myself into it, and I yeah, the first week back in September, I remember I was like, I got through that warm up. Like that was actually okay. That's really weird. And just because I think I just did it. And then by week two, it was just mm-hmm. like, it was normal. Like, flexibility, obviously, took a while to come back and things like that. But I was I started older anyway. Like, and as a boy, starting training when you're 18, 19, like, the flexibility you have isn't going to improve massively in your facility. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I was actually really lucky in the fact that I had all the treatment for six months and started back in September because I went on holiday in that summer mm. and was like swimming and stuff so mm. that I feel like a gross thing obviously when you have chemo like your hair falls out mm-hmm. your nails your fingernails and your toenails is made of the same particles so it's the same material I don't this. know what the word is like, it's the same thing as hair it's <laughs> yeah. just like a condensed version so my tone, my big toenails fell off when I was in, <laughs> when I was swimming. Oh all my it didn't, god! It, it didn't hurt at all. I was like, "That's weird." Wow. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah. But... <laughs> so many. I've heard like so many things that you wouldn't think would be affected yeah. by chemo. Because my grandma had it, and she said, "I remember her saying that even like her nails, like the pattern, the brittleness yeah. of them." just changed yeah. like it was she said it was so yeah. strange they get really like soft yeah and yeah. obviously like if you like yeah. have a bath or in a shower obviously your your feet are getting they're wet the whole time so yeah. you know when you get like little wiggly fingers like prune fingers when you're in the shower too long yeah. that's like imagine like, like on your feet but your nails are soft <laughs> like it, it like it sounds it's disgusting yeah. but it didn't hurt at all and i remember swimming right. and i was like that, my, that's coming off that <laughs> 
Yeah, that was just like another thing. But yeah, I think because of swimming, that mm. maybe got me more fit. Maybe yeah. before going back mm. to college. But yeah. Yeah. So I was going to ask, um, it's a bit of a big question, <laughs> so don't feel pressured. <laughs> but um, say if there was a student who was studying such a high intensive, like high intensity um, vocational course like musical theatre and um, either they were potentially dealing with cancer or a member of their family was dealing with cancer um, as someone who's sort of gone through it and, and, and done it with such a, um, a difficult course and like a really, like you were saying 8 in the morning till like 6 at night blah 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 um, what advice would you give to someone who might be dealing with that on the side of training? So I think when you get like such a big diagnosis whether it's cancer or any form of sort mm. of health related issue i guess like no there's no like right way or wrong way to deal with it it's just how you deal with it and how you cope with it i think i was just i don't know i was just naturally just strong i think i because i felt like look it's my issue like i'll deal with it let me just get on with it so people on, and friends were like obviously obviously checking up on me like how are you doing all this and i think what was tricky was that I didn't like they probably felt a lot worse for mm. me than what I actually felt, so it was really mm. tricky to like reassure people because as much as you do reassure someone, then you're like, well, I was in intensive care every week, I was in A and A, I'm having chemo and all this, like th- it's still hard for them to process it. So I had to like understand that and be like, look, I, I for me personally, I was more worried about making mm. other people feel comfortable with it, yeah, like how they dealt with it and how they would talk about it and react to it and things like that so i personally just got on with it but obviously not everyone can do that because i was just lucky with like the treatment mm-hmm. i had and obviously after that scare because of the scare that i had when i was in intensive care they then gave me injections for white blood cell um mm. st- like stimulant so basically boosted my immune system so then i was fine from that next point i ended up having like a blood transfusion and everything so like, everything was like because of the scare, right. everything was better afterwards and I didn't have mm-hmm. a single thing wrong after that. So I was just lucky in that I just just got on with it. But mm-hmm. I think if you were to get an illness at a college, like when you're training for a college, firstly, like the whole the faculty will 100% be behind you. Generally, it's scary, but everyone has probably got some mm-hmm. form of link with cancer, whether it's a family mm-hmm. member, a friend... Um, like a relative like one in three people get cancer I think so if you're at a college with a group of people statistically you will have someone who will know what you're have have an idea of what you're going through whether it was because their their mum had it and they saw how much of a toll the treatment was so there's always going to be someone you can chat to but for me I didn't want to be the person venting their problems to someone else because I was like they're not going to want that because mm. they don't know what I'm dealing with. So I don't want to put more negativity on them. So I was mm-hmm. kind of like being like, I need to be strong. Because if then if other people see that I'm strong, then it will make them feel okay. It's interesting the way you say sort of you wanted to make other people feel uh, comfortable because like there's such a stigma attached to the big C, the big C word. Like, you know, 
um especially when i when we were younger um the treatment was even like up until 10 years ago the treatment was nowhere near as as good as it is now um so you would think automatically that that person's going to pass away from it because they've got cancer but you know there's you know hundreds of types and hundreds of different treatments and hundreds of different situations that people find themselves in that the the big c doesn't mean yeah, death absolutely. and i think that's really important to yeah that's yeah. i think like i said the moment i was diagnosed in the same sentence of the diagnosis he said mm. it was completely tr- curable so like yep. from that moment it didn't seem like it was a death sentence do you know what i mean so mm-hmm. because he yeah, literally yeah. said i remember like his, his name was vas he was like my name is vas <laughs> <and Vaseline." laughs> i was like you're the og mate he was like look i'm not gonna beat around the bush you have got black cancer but we know the treatment that we're going to give you. This was like before they didn't kind of know. It was like, we know what we're going to give you. It's completely curable. It's not just treatable. Mm. Like, it's curable. You'll get tested to see whether you need, what sort of treatment you need. Um, but we have lots of information on this. And we've cured thousands and thousands of people who've had this. So just do what you're told to do basically <laughs> and I nearly didn't but <laughs> so yeah I think from the get-go it was just having that reassurance from the doctor because like imagine being a doctor like having to give that news it's like when so when people like complain about NHS waiting times and stuff and like how people like complain it really annoys me because the person who's like you might turn up for a standard GP appointment maybe because you've got like a you've pulled a muscle or something silly or flu whatever and you might end up waiting half an hour longer than your time slot but the person before you might be getting told yeah. that they've got cancer and they might need half like half an hour to to deal with that and like you have no idea what anyone else is going through like there's a reason that you you're having to wait and the fact that you're waiting and you're still there it's fine like if you needed treatment urgently yeah. you would be getting that treatment like the NHS like they know what they're doing the doctors know what they're doing if you can sit in a waiting room and think and you, and you can be annoyed you've got the energy and the brain functionality to be annoyed that you're waiting you're healthy mm. enough to be waiting do you know what I mean yeah so mm-hmm. yeah like the amount of stuff that doctors go through and from the get-go when he was just like giving me that reassurance I honestly think that was probably the reason why I managed to get through it with a positive attitude because it wasn't yeah. like, um, mm, got chemo. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> do, you th- do you think that yeah. that's kind of changed your outlook to not just, like, seeing your, like, diagnosis, oh, but also yeah. just, like, the future in general? Oh, my God, 100%. So, like, like I said, like, the musical theatre industry is competitive <laughs> AF. Like, it's competitive. Um, it, like, in a, in, a, like it, in a good way, obviously there is unhealthy forms of competitiveness, but you see a show's advertising and it, you think you're perfect for it. And there's going to be times where you don't get in for a show and there'll be times you do get in and you don't get it. Having, going through that treatment and that diagnosis, not getting that audition for that show, it, it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, you know what I mean? So I do think it's completely changed my outlook, but I will be honest and say I think it might have changed it too, like it might have gone a little bit too far and that sometimes I feel like I'm not even bothered about certain things. And I worry that I get too, like, 
could be worse. Could be dead. <laughs> I was like, when that is like your your other option. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can literally get away with that. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. Oh well. Didn't go to duty service. Could be worse. Could be dead. But that's not an excuse. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? So I worried that sometimes I go too far. Too to be far. Like, that I that generally like didn't get that audition, or that person got that role that you thought you should have got. But but people know what they're doing in their job. You know that you're healthy. It doesn't. It 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 really doesn't matter that you didn't get that specific thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you are just you're just fab, aren't you? Um, <laughs> so I met you, <laughs> even though I said it was one year ago, it was actually three years ago, and we were doing a show, um, and Louis, <laughs> I was in a youth group. I was in a youth group with the RNCM, and Louis um, got brought in as a professional. Uh, actor there was a cast of professional actors who would splice together with the non-professional actors and because I and my friend were at a certain age of a certain age we went and lived in London for a time so I met Louis fell in love with him on the spot loved him still do and um, I followed you on Instagram and only when I scrolled down your Instagram did I realize that you'd had cancer and looking at you um, you know, that morning when we were in rehearsal, I would never have thought it. So really, like, it really broke down a, a stigma, maybe, that I might have had that um, young people with cancer are, you know, frail, maybe, that they're, um, you know, not able to do things that other young people can. And cancer's usually like an older person thing that the adults get and all this even though you are an adult but you know what I mean an older uh, late in life sort of thing um and when um a year after West Side Story you were coming to Manchester so we met up and um you were doing a concert for the charity Click Sergeant so I would love to hear a little bit about uh, your ex- your work with the charity and what the charity do, who who they are, and and how they they helped you. Yeah. So, Click Sergeant. So it's cancer and leukemia in children. That's the charity, and it is solely funded from donations. So it doesn't get any form of funding from like, any companies or corporations. It's literally just people give money to it. And the way I got in touch with Click Sergeant was when I was getting chemo in London, you get, because I kind of was a young person, so I think, I think young, like a young person in the cancer ward at the Macmillan Centre, I feel like it was, you have like kids, which would probably go to Great Ormond Street, which is like up, like babies up to 15 or 16. And then the young unit was 16 to 21, I think. So I counted as a young person. And because of that, you automatically get put in touch with various support officers or support officers like I don't know what I don't know what I don't know what their name is. But um basically someone from Click Sergeant came round and was walking around and was like, Hey, but we if you haven't heard about it, we can help you with various like so many different things. So basically got in touch, got chatting, and they do like so much. So they helped me with writing for money for grants so certain um like councils and stuff various things around london like you're eligible for certain things so 
some of them it only eligible if it's towards your sort of after you get finished treatment. So because I was a performer and it kind of came under sports, so they helped me basically get like get a grant. It was literally for like maybe like a hundred pound, two hundred pound, basically for, for an exercise bike. Like it's a small thing, but that that's like to help you get back on track with normal things. And then other things are like we can get you a grant for X amount, and we would get in contact with various charities that give grants. Um, and there was one other one that they it was like maybe like fifteen hundred pounds. Um, because I was still paying rent at college, even though obviously because landlords are scum. Um, yeah. Disclaimer: All landlords are scum. Um, <laughs> they were still charging me rent, even though I'd gone home. Lane put pause on my on fees. I was on funded anyway, but you still have to pay a little bit. But they put pause on that, etc. But Kickstarter didn't help with the funding side of stuff. But the main thing was, they do a workshop every year. Mm. It's a music workshop, and it's like an intensive. So, if you were like a young adult, um, you, I can't remember the specific location we went to. But it was like a private school in like the countryside <laughs> up north somewhere. And you're there for a week and you're kind of mentored. You had to you, you basically you had to have some form of mm. interest in music. So it could be instrument instrumentation, like if you're a pianist, guitarist, like anything. And obviously like a singer, or if you're a songwriter, or if you like a like a DJ or producer, like if you're creating music, anything to do with music. We went on this workshop, I think there was maybe 12 to 15 of us. And various people were like um, mentors. And some of them were like quite big people. Like one of them was a guitarist from Kyle Chiefs. Um, One of them was like a a singer-songwriter, like just his own thing and working in education, like various things. And this week, like you were saying, like you... That you can think there's a stigma of around like younger people when you've got cancer because when you think of young people with cancer, you think of children in need and those sort of videos where it's always absolutely horrific and it's fam mm-hmm. like like the worst case scenario and you see like the pictures and videos and it's like the the Louis Capaldi music. Do you know what I mean? Like it's always mm-hmm. really sad. Whereas this, it was like we're our own group of people. We're all here for the same thing, and we're here because we're musicians. Not because we're ill. We're there because yeah. we're ill. But we were treated there as musicians. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really nice because it, they didn't... Mm. It wasn't, like, patronising. It wasn't like, oh, yeah. like, are you okay to get up at this time? Are you okay to be awake for this long? Like, don't, like it, was, it was none of that. And people had their own... Treat- Some people were still having various forms of treatment if it was certain, like, tablets. Some people were ill some people had um like oxygen tanks or whatever but it was the music that put us all together basically Brought you all together. and mm-hmm. put on a concert at the end of the week and like, we recorded some songs and it was it was just yeah so it's the whole thing of like it just completely erased the stigma of we're kids with cancer it was just like we yeah. are musicians so yeah and and i guess like you made quite a few friends with young people who were in the same situation Definitely, yeah so yeah like it, i like 
we met because like obviously because we had gone through a similar thing and what was good is i remember what was good is that we obviously we were told like okay click sergeant it's a kind of charity you're doing a music workshop with click sergeant uh, it's going to be x amount of time these amount of people are going to do this sort of thing and i remember when we were sort of chatting and stuff cancer didn't come up at all until like maybe four days mm. into it it just wasn't spoken about not because we were avoiding it it's just because that wasn't why we were there like we were there to like again like i said about be creative and make music and write songs and things like that so it was really good because we became friends for what our interests were not because mm. of the illness so we weren't defined by the cancer yeah like we were define ourselves as musicians songwriters pianists mm. producers djs etc so yeah like there's some people so i can't remember when i did it i think it was it must have been the summer that i finished treatment um so i did that course like the workshop um but for me it was really good because when i went through treatment i lost my, my hair thinned out a lot a lot i think i lost my eyebrows and my eyelashes so i looked like weird as f i looked really weird and i remember being like don't like that how am i how is that going to be on a stage like how how is that gonna mm. make it in the musical theater industry like look is generally everything when it comes to acting initially because like it's your headshot your product is yourself like if you like look like what I looked like when I was going for treatment. Like no one's gonna to want to hire that unless it's for a sad children in need. No. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So that was I lost a lot of confidence because yeah. I was like, okay, so I can't dance anymore. I lost all fitness. Um I look like good like ass. <laughs> like it was like that was quite tough but because of the workshop but the intensive and we did like concerts at the end that built confidence because we performed Mm -hmm. and you just did it you just got on with it and it wasn't like oh it's okay like you Mm -hmm. don't have to do it if you don't want to it was just like we're doing this concert go do this song you can choose the song do it everyone's performing it it wasn't like forcing you but it was just like in a confident thing like we can we can all do this it's fine so that built confidence Mm -hmm which I'd lost a lot of within that first mm. six months of treatment. And then I think that, again, helped me get back on my feet in, into training. And Click Sergeant isn't just about helping you when you're ill or going through the treatment. It's about getting you back on track and blending your life mm. being ill into whatever it is, mm. whatever it is that you, you want to do. Yeah. Um, and because musical theatre is obviously is musical so the guy who ran the click sergeant workshop his name is phil um he's a music producer so he used to be an nhs nurse i think or nhs consultant and he was also a music manager um so he blended the two together helped basically do this click sergeant thing um and he helped me with like a showreel when i came out of um, treatment and when I was healthy and stuff because his friend he's got loads of contacts and stuff and there was a guy who was a guitarist on the workshop 
who's a guitarist and also a videographer. Like, he's like an editor for like, like huge films. Um, like Harry Potter films, like Golden Compass, he said it was really bad, the Golden oh Compass God. thing. <laughs> he's like, I was editing it and I knew when I was editing it that this is trash, but <laughs> I was getting over it. <laughs> but yeah, so he, having those contacts, they then helped me with putting together a show reel or like a, like a vocal reel um, in like a state-of-the-art like recording studio. Like, it's sick. It was so good. So it's not just like, okay, you had your treatment, bye. It's like blending it in. Um, various concerts around around the year. They did a Christmas concert. And that, I think I was doing the Christmas concert, Christmas tour, when I went to Manchester. That's yes, when I saw it. Was when a, I saw it was you. amazing. And uh, Louis got the voice of um, Can confirm. Angel. I've heard um, you sing. So, <laughs> yeah, it was it was gorgeous it was just a gorgeous concert i just really enjoyed it it was at the bridgewater hall and um there was a lot of videos that we could watch to see sort of what the charities um the, the work the charity does there was uh, singing that the sort of audience could join in with and then there were solos in which louis did a beautiful solo what song did you sing again was it i'm trying to think i feel like one of them if it was this was one it? uh I thought you were going to be Mac. like, if it was Fleetwood this one. Mac, <laughs> I thought you were going to say, um, I thought it was this one. Oh, wow. <laughs> and start singing. <laughs> or is that something different? <laughs> Baby, with a little butterfly. Or is that something different? <laughs> I think it was the one that's like, if you wake up and don't want to smile. But I can't mm. remember the song. Don't yeah, Stop. Yeah, don't so, Stop, yeah. it's called. And yeah. then also... A Christmas song, John Lennon. Mm. Oh, yeah, 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 if you want yeah. it, yeah, yeah. Um, Love yeah, that. so that was the second Christmas tour that I did, I think, with Click Sergeant because I did one before, which was really good. I was just thinking about one of the girls I did it with who was just banter. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like people that did, we did this, the, the workshops and the tour. So the workshop was basically, that was more of a, we're together, like we've been, like we've been ill, we get through it, we'll, we'll learn and create music together. That was the summer workshop, but then they did winter tour, Christmas tour, for like just a, like a week, I think. But that was, you are a musician, like we are on tour as a group, and we had like a tour bus, and like it was the same company that does Dolly Parton's tour buses no. so we like slept in this no. bus it had like uh like beds in it like shower toilet like two living rooms <laughs> like like it was sick um so yeah so we, you'd like we started up like, got the bus in Bath I think it was and then we ended up in like Newcastle the next day like going to sleep and then you're driving on the road and you wake up in the new city and then, that, that, yeah, that was cool. So, um, we've spoke a little bit about this um, before. Uh, obviously, it isn't about me, but just to give a bit of context. Um, I've had four people in my family have cancer. So, I felt I could talk to Louis about that. And we've often spoke about how some people... Well, I'll let you explain. But um, the question is sort of, 
what would you want people who have never dealt with or experienced cancer before to know? Because we've spoke about this before, mm. but yeah. Yeah. I'll leave that so, to you. again, as I said earlier, um, obviously every diagnosis is different. You get the same diagnosis as someone else, but your body is different. So your treatment will be different. And the amount of treatment you have will be different depending on like who you are. But, on again, this is just been my personal experience. Just getting going through the diagnosis, you all, you will always have people that support you, and I found that it was because it was what I was dealing with. It was something that I didn't want to worry other people, and like I said before, it was about like making them feel comfortable, being strong, and it's tricky because people obviously, obviously want to help. They'll be like, "What can I do? Like, what can I do to help? Like." Can I come see you? Those sorts of things. Um, when you're ill, you're obviously like housebound. You can't go out a lot. Like it's tricky to see people. You probably, probably will go into some form of depression because your lifestyle has completely changed. Like that's like one one of the number one triggers of depression is a sudden change in your lifestyle um, or routine. So it's it is gonna like it's never gonna be easy, but you're going to have people around you that support you but I think when, when you do get cancer like it just it, it makes you a stronger person even if you don't end up um recovering from it it's that thing like we're I think we might have chatted about when people say they lost their battle with cancer like people are battling cancer and they lost their battle with cancer I don't really like that term because it makes you out to be a, like a loser like you lost like you lost you did make it. And it's like, well, no, like, everyone who gets a diagnosis, even if you have three days after your diagnosis, you still, you're still fighting. Like, you're, like you're still getting through it. You're, like, do you know what I mean? So that whole, that whole stigma of losing a battle of cancer, I really don't like that term because it almost, yeah, it almost makes out as if they didn't do enough. And I think... Obviously, it's never meant in that way. It's never meant for, to be like that. But when people were, yeah, like certain companies would be like, oh, so and so, yeah, she lost her battle with cancer. Yeah, I just feel like, even though it's like a, it's a sympathetic thing, I just think yeah. the, the phrasing of it, it just gives off a little bit of a negative sort of, they didn't, yeah. they didn't quite, mm. they didn't quite do enough. They thought, mm. but not enough. My mum always says, like, how, as well, do you fight... How, how how can you fight cancer? I mean, you take the treatment that they give you, but it's inside your body. You can't see what's going on. You know, you could take all the treatment, but cancer is cancer. It can overpower your body. And that's not because mm. you weren't fighting hard enough. Um, exactly. I feel yeah. like when you're fighting, in order to fight it, you've got to try and do what you enjoy and try and do what makes you happy obviously you're not going to to do all of that that's when people make bucket lists because it's like okay well yes i'm fighting cancer but i'm not going to lose this battle if i manage to do things i love and if you can get through and do those things i'd say maybe try and have things to look forward to try and keep yourself occupied certain maybe books films um I was lucky that I wasn't so ill that I was allowed to go out still. Like I could still go out and about. 
obviously a lot of people are bed bound for their like, entire treatment or in hospital the whole time. But I managed to go see some shows. I think I remember seeing Jack Rock Scoundrels, which was, that was great. Also, when I was really ill, the scare that I had, because I ended up having a blood transfusion and getting those white blood cell injections, my immune system was better than ever. And they were like, your blood cell, your white blood cell count is probably the best in this hospital right now because of the blood transfusion. I'm always, I'd always think, like, whose blood... Like, I wonder whose blood that was. Um, Beyonce? Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but um, they were like, you could probably go out and have a drink tonight if you wanted to. So I did. <laughs> Got battered, but because that, But then that first time that I went out, I was like, look, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Obviously, die. But other than that, like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I'm having treatment. I've gone through, like six weeks of treatment already had this actually i think maybe two weeks had this scare got amazing blood beyonce's blood and got these white blood cell injections my immune system's amazing all that's gonna happen is i'll end up in any and i'll put on a drip or whatever which is obviously really bad to think about now not wasting up a space but i can go out and have a drink so i did and once i did that the first time it just made everything so much better because it meant that I was confident enough to go out and see friends, not just to go out on nights out, but going around people's houses. Because at the time, I didn't want to meet, any, like, I didn't want to see anyone because I was so paranoid that I'd catch some form of illness or something. Like they were like, you can catch an illness from cheese or yogurt. <laughs> like I didn't want to meet up with people. So the first time I did, when they said I could, then every almost every other weekend after I had my treatment, I was like, I've had my treatment now. That's because it takes a while for it to go through your body, and then it's not like until a few days after where it starts like killing what it needs to kill, <laughs> I think. So, the, the day after treatment, I was always feeling really good. So, I was, I think I had, after, apart from the first like two, three weeks, I had a really smooth ride, really easy. I was allowed to meet friends. It was getting, it was probably like this time, like this time of year. So it was like the, the weather was getting nicer, could go out more, like, just, yeah, like, <laughs> just live <laughs> yeah. as much as mm. you can, because mm-hmm. without being, like, sentimental, like, you'd, like, I, it, did, it did cross my mind that it would be like, oh, this could be, like, the last time I did this, but, mm-hmm. like, I think it's probably the same as now, like, being in lockdown and going through a pandemic, I think when it's lo- lifted and we're allowed to do things, I think everyone is probably going to mm. a lot of people are going to be a yes person because they're like yeah. I want to do this I want to do that because you you've realized like once you don't have it, it like, it's just a it's like such a waste of your energy not like mm. not doing what you want to do so mm-hmm. if you get some of a realness or diagnosis or you, anything that's stopping you seriously just try and do as much as you can that keeps those dopamine levels up mm-hmm. like i films music like music is all like is the the best thing you could ever have i think mm-hmm. like yeah there's copious amounts of it it helps your emotions like like if you're feeling sad and you want to listen to sad music it works <laughs> it sounds silly like why do you listen to sad music when it's sad like it just helps and just yeah find something that it makes your life mm. worth living. Do you know what I mean? Like, whatever it is.
Louis, thank you so, so much for coming on the Purple Pod. It has been... I could talk for, like, four hours about your story. It's just... It's amazing, and I've just... We've had a laugh about it, too, which is really, really just lovely. We were a bit... I was a little bit nervous because, you know, I don't want to ask anything that's uncomfortable or, like, you know, ask you stuff that you just, oh, for God's sake, you know, I bet it's something people ask you all the time, but um, thank you so much for being so honest and, and, and making us laugh so much. It's been so good. So that's it for the Purple Pod. So it's a bye from me. Bye. And it's a bye from me. Bye. Thank you so much, Louie. Our next episode is out next week, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Bye.